The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, He said, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the gospel of our Lord. So in today's gospel lesson, we had a statement from Peter. Um, you are the Christ, you are the Son of God. So you will think about, and it's thinking about this Bible lesson this last week, there's similarities in context in His world, that world and ours. There were clashes in cultures. We're going to get the Bible lesson just a moment. There's clashes in cultures surrounded by the Caesarea and Philippi. There were clashes in, in religions. There were clashes in empires that were taking place there. There were also sporting events there where they were having entertainments of sorts at the expense of humanity. And I was thinking about how has it happened in our country. We've had, in their times, they had some things going on with the stars. Well, we've had solar eclipses, and we had some star things coming up next month, supposedly. Um, we have clashes in our culture. In, in Virginia, we had two opposing groups. There might even be people that call themselves Christians within both groups warring off. One group drives a car through the other and kills some people. We've, we've got clashes in our culture. We have warring ideas and debates between peoples here. And it's just around us. So I think there's a lot of similarities between just the people then and now. Some might say that the the only difference between people in the Bible times and now is technology. The rest of it's about the same. So thinking about those things in the gospel lesson, I also thought, well, I got boys that are playing football. This is the big time. This this is where the football seasons all rev up. And as the as the young guys for every team around the world or in the United States are thinking about this thing, they were to remind about you know who they are and what they're about. And that's exactly maybe what's going on with the gospel lesson. In this gospel lesson. Um, the disciples are going to claim who Jesus is. And then holding on to that closely, they're going to now move forward in discovering how they're going to live that out. But that's all in the context of tremendous clashing and tremendous wars. Okay, So now, with those things stirring in our heads, not really just stirring up, how many of you have seen the movie um, recently made, Denzel Washington, Remember the Titans? It's a football movie, but it's really not about football. It's about a whole lot more than football. Remember the Titans. It's set in about 1970s, 1971, late 60s, early 70s. And it's a community that is torn by resentment and mistrust. 
in this little town, a trusted and respected head football coach, a coach that has, is a part of the community. He's, he's just one of their stars, one of their heroes. He has led this team to 15 seasons, winning seasons. And now he's asked, he's been told that he's going to take a back seat because another man is being brought in to take his place as head coach. This is the time of forced integration. And an African-American man is being forcibly put into his head coach position. Add to that situation, busloads of African-American students are being integrated into a previously all-white school and now onto this football team. And with that, an epic struggle begins. Almost immediately, the football team in this movie, immediately the football team and all the coaches, they pack up because they're going to put on these buses and they're going to go to a distant land for a two-week preseason training camp. The camp begins. There's long, physically demanding practices in the morning and then a second one in the evening, call them two-a-days. And as the head coach is watching all these events, he notices that the players and the coaches are refusing to come together. Even with intentional integration room assignments, they they mix the boys up in the rooms. Even with mandatory assignments that they will know who their parents are and what their family does and what their favorite foods are and all those mandatory type of things, that the players are maintaining walls and mistrust and resentment is abounding. There's even a fist fight days into this. A fist fight between their own players over these lines. And in the midst of this turmoil and this clashing between people and agendas, there comes a very special lesson. And we're going to watch a clip from that lesson now. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. (laughs) Wake up, gentlemen. It's late. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. All right, listen up. You will follow Doc, myself, and the other coaches. We're going to take a little run through the woods. If you get lost along the way, don't bother coming back to camp. Just hitchhike your hind parts on home. Any questions? Coach, it's a high school football team. We're not in the Marines here. Let's go. Let's go. Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves. 
today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with blood, young boys, smoke, and hot lead going right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, man. They killed my brother with malice in my heart. Hatred destroyed my family. You listen. You take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, Two will be destroyed. Just like that. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. In that place in the movie, in common exhaustion the players heard the message of their new head coach they saw the quality of his character as contrasted to the world's evil character the players began to see who they were individually and collectively In time, and against so many powerful worldly adversaries, they would come together and they would discover what they could do if they took the coach's lead and they made a commitment as a team. Keep that in mind now as we move into a gospel lesson for today. See, in today's gospel lesson, Jesus has marched his disciples 25 miles north. They walk from the Sea of Galilee, which is about 700 feet below sea level, 25 miles north to the foothills of Lebanon, 2,000 feet above sea level, to a place where the Jordan River begins. 25 mile hike. He stops there with the disciples at Caesarea Philippi. This destination, this location of Caesarea Philippi, it absolutely matters in this lesson. We might not know it, but it matters. We're going to remember why. See, the city of Caesarea, it is an icon. It is a monument to religious wars. It is a monument to social Conflicts is a monument to political and economic struggles in this region. There in Caesarea, for a thousand years, the Canaanites have rejected the Lord their God and have been worshiping a false god, Baal. There in Caesarea, the Greek invaders have come and they have established a temple to their god named Pan or Pan. Instead, and they named this city at that point Paneus. Later, when the Romans came. And they conquered, they took it from the Greeks, then they renamed it after their king, Caesar, and they named it Caesarea, after Caesar, Caesarea. Herod built this city up even more, this Roman, 
with the blood, sweat, tears, and the taxes of the local people. He constructs now a very large temple dedicated to the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, Caesar. It's a temple to a man-god, Caesar. In this same vicinity, there is a cave. It was known to them as the cave or the gate to Hades. This cave was so haunting to the people, so dark, mysterious, creepy, and scary, and a depth that no cord of, of rope ever touched the bottom. And they knew how to tie long ropes. They tested it. There was no bottom to this cave. It is now in that place where Jesus stops his walk. In the land of cursed Canaanite worship, in the shadows of Caesar's temples, Jesus stops and he speaks to the disciples who are following him. He says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Near this gate to Hades and the depths of the unknown, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? We're going to pause for a moment and think about what's happening because this is chapter 16. A lot's happened in the first 16 chapters. For the last 16 chapters, Matthew has actually been telling us, the readers, who Jesus is. He is the Messiah and He is the Son of God. For 16 chapters, we have read about how the angels know who Jesus is. We have read about how all of heaven would celebrate at His coming. We have read about how demons know who Jesus is. The disciples might be clueless, and the religious ones might reject Him, but the demons know who He is, and they cower in fear of His presence. We've read about those things. We have read about the, the, His baptism in the Holy Trinity's moment there, at His baptism, and how He went into temptation, and He defeated the devil because He stayed true to His Lord. He knew who He was. and he knew who his father was and he knew who the liar was and he stayed true to his father in heaven. We have read about that in those 16 chapters. We have read about all of his teaching. We've been reading about his healing. We've been reading about how powerful religious people don't like his message and they reject him. We have read about his silencing of storms, his walking across water. We have read now, in previously to this, two times where he's fed tens of thousands of people. 16 chapters precedes today's question. And now, after 16 chapters, we, the readers, we know that Jesus has come to establish the kingdom of His Father. We have been given a good look of what this kingdom of the Father is about. And now we know what the Son is about as well, because we've been watching His life for these 16 chapters. We know that He came to save the lost, to bring healing to the sick. We know that He loves like no human being on the face of planet has ever loved before. He came to set us free. He came to reconcile us to our Heavenly Father, and that He could bring us home. That is what Jesus has been about. After 16 chapters... The disciples have now followed Jesus, a 25-mile march to the mountain of Caesarea Philippi, the place where religions clash, where cultures wage war, 
where kings and their armies enslave people, and now these Romans are feeding humans to animals for sport and entertainment in their coliseums. In that place, there is good contrasted to evil. There is the truth of God compared to the lies of the world. They are contrasted. And in that contrasting place, Jesus asks, Who do people say I am? And then he asks, Who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? Simon Peter's answer is God-inspired. And his answer is beautiful. He says, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And you are the Son of the living God. Now think about that. In the midst of all the contrasts that they've been seeing, in the midst of all the wars that they see, in the midst of all the distractions they see of good and evil and truth and lies, he stands up and he claims a true statement. All right, so now with that answer, there is a God-inspired... Now this is is where it turns... There's a God-inspired and a God-empowered beginning. Because from this moment on, from this place, in this elevation, they're going to now make their descent back down and towards Jerusalem and the cross. And if you're going to go to Jerusalem and a cross, it'd be really nice to know what's at the heart of of your true statements. And in this place, after 16 chapters, the heart of it is, you are the Son of God, you are the Messiah. So the disciples now see who He is. They've acknowledged and they confess that who He is. And because they've done so, they can now figure out how it is they are to live. Now they can move forward to see what they're going to do as they go forward into the midst of this world. They are disciples of Jesus. They are not disciples of anybody else. They are disciples of Jesus. They are disciples of the living God. They are not disciples of these false worldly things that are going to come down. This whole world is going to pass. Our bodies will pass. But this living God does not pass and they are following Him. And as they go towards this cross in Jerusalem, that is the person they are going to follow. They have got that. They are holding on to that. In the movie, Remember the Titans, at this national cemetery this monument of American history. In that place, at the end of this long couple-hour run, the players are there out of breath. The coach has led them there. And the coach is acknowledged. And in that place, a team was born. An epic struggle would ultimately and victoriously be completed by them. But it was a struggle to be sure between themselves, in their families, in their community, and then with the world around them. But they left that cemetery with their birthing statement of who they were and who they were going to follow, the kind of men they were going to be, because they had a man to follow. In similar fashion, at the monument of Caesarea Philippi, a group of Jesus followers, they have now huddled together And with the power of the Holy Spirit in them, they saw who Jesus was. And though they would continue to stumble occasionally, in the very next paragraph, Peter's going to stumble. He'll hold on to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, but the next thing he says, but I don't want the cross. 
So stumbling is going to happen. It's not about the stumbling. It's about holding on to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. So they're going to stumble as they go into their epic struggle. But their confession in Jesus the Christ, Son of God, is going to empower them. It's going to lead them as they are victorious witnesses in the world, in their families and in the world around them to the ends of the earth. They would be led victorious because they held on to that statement. 2,000 years later, we, the church, gather. God built his church on that statement. We gather and we claim that statement again today. We gather and we remember. And with all the world's monuments around us, all the things of sin and war around us, in our nation, in our homes, in our communities, we see it everywhere. Even sometimes within ourselves, when we don't like what we see and we don't like how we behave, and we have a war between what God's calling us to be and who we're striving to be, and it's not at peace frequently in our own lives. With all of that going on, we can remember on this day who Jesus is. And we can say that He is the Christ, He is the Son of God, He is our Savior, He is my Lord. God, help me make you my Lord. I say your Lord, help me live like it. With an epic struggle still before the church, as soon as we step out of this confines of this sanctuary space, there's struggle right out there. With that struggle before us, we will remember our call to follow Jesus and to continue a victorious tradition as witnesses like those who have preceded us. On this day we remember. We remember. We remember who Jesus is and we draw close to Him. And then as we leave this place, we make Him known. We are His witnesses. That was what was birthed at the mountain of Caesarea Philippi. God help us be that church. Amen.